Hello, hello. Or uh, as my girlfriend thinks I say, eh, hello. Oh, hello. Yeah, well, that is what you sound like, isn't it? That is eh, actually eh, what you sound like. Eh, Welcome to Sustainable. This is Sustainable 59. Crikey. 59. We are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet and why it's all so confusing. And what have we got coming up this week? Oh, well, Dave, uh, so you know when when things are not allowed anymore? Um, they're, they're banned. They're, they're banned. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and we're going to be talking about something which is, is going to be banned, maybe. Uh, which is nasty bits of plastic in the sea. Uh, c- c- do you know of any other bands, Dave? Um, meatloaf. Right. Uh, well, I tell you, tell you that what is another band, and that's the the wombats. <laughs> <laughs> they're a, they're oh, an indie good. band. Uh, which brings us on nicely to the other thing we're going to talk about today, which is wombats and one particular wombat. In Australia, right, very good. Well, considering that what the listeners don't know is, it did just take us both ten minutes to fail to come up with a better pun than that. <laughs> I think that's rather good. Uh, well done, us. Just the usual disclaimers: if you are offended by Ol's puns or anything else that we say in the course of this here podcast, do please remember that these are very much our own views. And although we do work for environmental charities, they are not the views of anyone else. So, if you've got a problem with any of it, take it up with me and him, and not with no one else. Yes. Very good. Strike out the band! Sustainable of the Week. Baby, can't you see? So, Sustainable of the Week. This is the section where every week we have a little look at the egregious eco guff that has been spoken by people trying to sound green and failing. What are we going to be talking about this week, Dave? We are going to be talking about small, irritating things. And I'm not talking about the Welsh. We are going to be... Ooh. Well, I know, I know. No, I'm allowed. I'm allowed. You, I'm allowed. No, I'm you allowed. can't say that. I can. Okay, all right. Welsh people, I'm sorry. You're not small, right? <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about things called microbeads. Do you know what microbeads My- is? Well, yeah, actually. I was going to pretend that I don't. But I do. But you do. It'd be a rather short podcast if you didn't. Um, exactly. Yes. What is microbeads? Microbeads is are tiny, 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 tiny spherical bits of plastic that it turns out are in lots and lots of things, including lots of cosmetic things. Um, but importantly, they don't really break down. They go through all the filters. They go into the ocean. And there are trillions of them. And they get eaten by the plankton and eaten by the fishes and eaten by the bigger fishes. And sometimes apparently even going to humans. So terribly bad. Bad, 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 bad. It's not the only thing around here that's very small indeed. <laughs> your brain, for example, is so minute, Baldrick, that if a hungry cannibal cracked your head open, there wouldn't be enough inside to cover a small water biscuit. <laughs> so uh, how tiny are we talking? What are we talking? Like visible or invisible or what? What are I think they? they I think they range. You can see them. So if you, for instance, had some face scrub, exfoliating face scrub. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at you! I've got some. Ooh, I don't think I don't Metro think Man over there. Yes, I don't think this one has microbeads in it anyway. But I don't know how I'd tell. Okay, but the thing is, these are things you know. You know what I mean? Scrubby things that go. Ooh, lovely, things. lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's getting all the dead skin off. Getting all of the London off my face. Get the London off my face. Scritchy, scratchy bits of stuff in your face wash makes face shiny. 
Yes. I think they're, yeah, then they're some of the bigger ones, but you do get some smaller ones. I think whitening toothpaste sometimes has them in. Oh, is that what, um, is that kind of how the whitening toothpaste works? Is it basically like scritches off little bits of your teeth? I can't be right. I think so. Oh. No, I think it is. I think that's why dentists say it's not really very good. Because oh. uh, it, anyway, anyway, it's all of that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, they're, they're really, really destructive um, into the ocean. But last week, there was some rather good news about all this because some MPs in that there House of Commons who sit on a committee, the Environmental Audit Committee. Oh, hang on. Uh, oh, they... I'm going to play the sexy Environmental Audit Committee music. I've heard people say that. Oh, oh my God. Much of Oh, yeah. Well, I better turn it off. That's too much. I'm turning it off. Yeah, yeah, stop it. Mm. Uh, Yes, right. Well, sorry about that. Uh, The the Environmental Audit Committee, they did a report, and that report said these things should be banned. What, MPs? Um, No, their report said these things, microbeads, uh, should be banned. The Environmental Audit Committee is recommending that the government bans the use of microbeads, tiny plastic particles, in cosmetics such as shaving gels, facial scrubs and toothpastes. 680 tonnes of these plastic particles are used each year in UK cosmetics industry and they end up going through our waterways, into our marine environment, washing up on our beaches and into the food chain. So if you've eaten six oysters, you'll have consumed 50 particles of microplastics. We don't know what the long-term impacts are. And they didn't the just say they should be banned in the United of Kingdom. Mm. They said that they should. it should be an international ban, which is rather good news, I think. Crikey Moses. So, look, we'll talk a bit more about this in a minute. But what I wanted to ask you, first of all, was where does the babble come in? Because um, you've got a load of MPs saying this should be banned. Here's a thing that should happen. Um, so who's been babbling about it? It doesn't sound like babble to me. Well, ah, it never does, does it, Dave? No. Babble creeps up on you. The babble comes in because the committees like these, the Environmental Audit Committee, they can't just say, oh, here's a report and ban this thing. They have to take evidence from interested parties. And one of the interested parties that they took evidence from, not unreasonably, was the BPA. And I think we all know what the BPA stands for. It's the... British Plastics Association. Suffice to say that the British Plastics Association didn't take quite the same view on banning plastic. Uh, th- this is this is what they said. Many cosmetic companies and brand owners have pledged that they have already or will be phasing out the use of microbeads in cosmetic products. Oh, oh, many, many. cosmetic companies. Many. many. What's that? Well, it's not zero, is it? And no. it's probably not one. No, and it's not some, but neither is no. it all, which ah, is yeah. which is all is the one that would be everyone doing it. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting wording, isn't it? Have pledged that they have already or will be phasing mm. out the use of microbeads. So I can pledge that I have already stopped eating my weight in cheese every day. And I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like anyone's checking that. It's just I've pledged that I have stopped doing that. And that is fact. Yes. So we've been doing this here, Babble, for a very long time. And a couple of themes tend to emerge. And this is one of them. And it's the theme that is summed up 
by the thing they said next. In view of the voluntary commitment of the cosmetic industry, a ban should not be necessary, and it would involve an unnecessary expenditure of taxpayer money that could be put to better use. Yes, so you see where this all goes, Ol, is basically a form of argument is put forward by people whose business it is is to sell a thing. Um, And this form of argument goes... Don't worry, leave us alone, don't ban us from selling that thing, and we'll get on with it by ourselves, and most people will be alright, and you'll just be wasting all your money and all your time, and think of all those paper clips you're going to put on all those government documents, and oh, you must be so busy, what with Brexit, and you must have so much on your plate, and don't make, don't make things difficult for yourself, don't, oh, you know, you'll be there for ages, you'll have to pay all them civil servants all that time, you'll have to send the police round to punch people in the face and go through their <laughs> microbeads and infiltrate too much bother don't ban it we'll fine we'll do it trust us we'll do it many people are doing this anyway or have pledged to don't ban us please because we sell this stuff i'd love to be in a room where they start drafting these comments because presumably you start from what you really think which is we sell this stuff and we don't want to be told not to sell this stuff and then someone goes that's not it's not quite hitting the right emotional buttons. Is there any way we could we could bring the British taxpayer into this? Oh, good idea, good idea, Bob. Like your thinking. Uh, let's let's talk about unnecessary expenditure. No one likes spending, Bob. Brilliant. Keep it going. Could be put to better use. Yes, someone mentioned the NHS. Oh, lovely. I mean, they didn't mention the NHS in this one, but I bet they were about to. And it's just classic. It's just a way of saying we don't want to be banned because we'll lose our bloody market and just turning it into the sort of guff that they think we want to hear. And they, yeah, we won't, we'll spare Paul Arabella reading this out, but there's a bit later on. So all of this was the evidence that they gave to the MPs. And there's a bit in it later on where the MPs ask a question about something like, um, how can you stop so much microbeads or microplastic going into the sea? And they have this great long section, the British Plastics Association, about like, well, you should have more bins, shouldn't you? Oh, and, on the and beach. Plastics Europe. Um, plastics Europe, yeah. Very, okay, very yeah. good. Uh, okay, you, should no, have, yeah. you should have more bins, shouldn't you, on the beach? And you should like, you know, encourage people not to put plastic where it shouldn't ought to be um, and this goes on for paragraph after paragraph after paragraph and you should send people around with sieves go into the sea with yeah. sieves and like scoop it all out and uh, you know train otters to retrieve microbeads and pile them up on the beach what they don't say is stop putting so much plastic in stuff that'd do it stop selling stop using so much plastic I don't do that the bit of it no. that's like what's happening here is a thing you make and you get very rich from, and your big fat bosses drive their Mercedes Benzes round because of that thing is in the water. And the answer to not being in the water is not necessarily don't just put it in the water. It might be bugger off and don't make it. Tell me more about microbeads. How did it come to this? Okay. It is surprisingly interesting, but no doubt I'll make it surprisingly dull. Uh, So let's see how this goes. But they are a really, really interesting thing. They were developed by some dude in Norway. Norway? 
yeah. Uh, no, Norway. Uh, who has got a name I won't try and pronounce? Actually, it doesn't look that hard. Ugelstad. Ugelstad. Dr. John Ugelstad. Yes, Dr. John Ugelstad. And he invented these things um, primarily for medical reasons. Uh, the, apparently, beforehand, it was deemed almost impossible to make perfectly kind of spherical, tiny, tiny bits of... Uh, plastic without being in space basically but he found a way of doing it and for some reason i do not understand these tiny little spherical bits of plastic uh, allow the separation of bodily substances uh, which apparently makes testing much easier especially for things like what does that AIDS. mean separation well, of guess. bodily substances does it mean what i think it means I don't know what you think it means, but I don't want to know what you think it means. I think it means if you've got, you know, a test tube of of stuff, um, you know, blood has got lots of different things in it, hasn't it? Like, you know, plasma and Lego bricks. blood cells and Lego bricks. Uh, maybe these things help separate it out. I don't know. But anyway, apparently it was important for testing things like AIDS. And also in cancer, uh, he these are amazing paramagnetic uh, microbeads basically magnetic only in a magnetic field uh, I don't really understand that but that's what the Guardian says uh, they apparently allowed new treatments that pile into bone cancer patients bones and scrub out the old cancerous cells okay. says the Guardian so this is some pretty hardcore amazing medical well stuff um, and it's just you know so they're not in and of themselves bad things and presumably when they're getting used they're being uh, in these contexts they're being disposed of a bit more responsibly but as ever someone who isn't trying to you know cure AIDS or stop cancer killing people was like hmm how could I make a bollock load of money out of this and decided oh I know these things are a bit like you know sand or crushed up shells or all the other things that people used to have in um, exfoliating cosmetics and they just thought yeah I could I could sell literally trillions of these and it just became a thing they went into the cosmetics industry and that is the reason that we have the uh, problem we do today and literally trillions is right isn't it isn't it something like 800 trillion of these things go down the plug hole in the america alone every day every day Every day. Do you know that, how that how, you know how long that is? I worked this out. I did some sums. I did some maths while you were doing something. Well, hang else. on, hang on, hang on. This is quite a big moment for Sustainable because yeah. previously I said that six hundred and something billion, sixty-six billion. That's the biggest number ever. Isn't it? Was the biggest number yeah. in the world, but yeah. this is bigger. This is this bigger. is a bigger number. Eight hundred and eight trillion. A lot bigger. It's more than ten That's times a, bigger. No, it's more than 100 oh. times bigger. Oh. It's a lot, lot oh, it's more than that. It's more than a thousand. Oh, more it's a lot. That. It's more than that. Oh. oh, It's a lot. I'll tell you how much it is, right? Imagine a microbead. A microbead is about the size, uh, in terms of sort of its uh, you know, circumference, no, diameter, of a human hair, right? Pretty much. Some, you know, give or take, yeah. right? So yeah, imagine yeah. something that is the width of a human hair. That much, the amount of that that goes down, if you line them all up, all these microbeads, one next to each other, so you had one great big long human hair length thing, yeah? It Ugh. would be 8 million kilometres long. 
That's how much of this stuff goes down the plug hole oh my in America every day. I want that verified by an independent agency. Yes, that's probably a good in, idea. Yeah. Until then, that is a scarily big number. Uh, yeah, and apparently they don't all go into the ocean. They do, uh, about uh, 99% of those get filtered. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I didn't put that bit in the preparation that we do. Uh, so I've just left you hanging there. But uh, yeah, most of those do get do get filtered. But 1% of 808 trillion is, Dave? Um, that's a billion, isn't it? No. <laughs> uh, 1% of 800 trillion is 8 trillion. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still 8 trillion trillion of these every single day making it out oh, into the oceans into the rivers and into the fishes yeah because is that what is that what, what is the environmental problem here so that's what's going on is it goes into the fishes yes and into uh, or is it like uh which fishes who eats them and then why is it a problem and why don't they just well, pull them out again what's going on it usually goes in at the very bottom of the food chain. So there are some um, amazing pictures. And we should say at this point, big kudos to uh, a bunch of organisations who have been working on this stuff for a while in the UK, um, including Greenpeace and, uh, interestingly, Flora and Fora International, who we had a little little chat about last week. Uh, so th- these groups have been doing a lot of work on it. And there's um, a very good picture that Greenpeace use of a tiny, tiny, tiny little plankton you know or krill or something something very small and you can see it's like an x-ray and there are about four or five of these little microbeads inside it and as oh. ever the small things eat the um the, the microbeads then slightly bigger things eat the small things and slightly bigger things eat them and these are finding their way all the way up the, the food chain um there's also been some really quite um illuminating studies done and it's only several 10 years or so since the science has been uh clear that how much of the problem these were but baits and people developed very 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 fine nets to just take them across the surface of um, the oceans to see what plastics like this were on the surface and there were gazillions of them on the wow. surface so um they're everywhere they're everywhere and they're bad fishes are eating them thinking that they're other food and they're not other food so that's i mean that's a kind of primary problem isn't it but does it kill the fishes i mean okay so they've got little itty bits of plastic in them is that the end of the world well it is if if you're eating that because you think it's your packet of walker's mix-ups and it turns out it's actually a packet of plastic spherical balls yeah yeah, but I mean, it, like, it, so are they bad for human health? If they eventually have you had Walker's mix-ups, by the way, uh, yeah, I've been told about them. They sound like the devil, and I should be oh, steering clear. Amazing. And nothing so I like. Good. There is nothing I like less than unpredictable savoury snacks. Right? I think <laughs> if something is, <laughs> no, if I'm buying this a is packet, the opposite. No, it isn't the opposite. You don't know what you're going to get. It's terrible. You do. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get one of four identifiable textures: Monster Munch, French Fry. Dorito or what's it, but all the same flavour. How good is that? And it's like the spicy flavour. It's brilliant. Please buy them. I was dancing with this very, very young lady and all her friends were all around. They were all clapping and I was kipping it all this year. You know. I said, do your friends think I'm in the groove? And she said, yes. Uh, they all think you've got one foot in it. <laughs> so, look, all right. Okay, so the MPs have come out and they have said, down with this sort of thing, up with microbeads we should not put. And they have called for a ban in the UK and internationally. And they said, get on with it. So is it going to happen? No. 
You don't think you don't think it's going to happen, even though there's like three hundred thousand people have signed that Greenpeace petition, and you know the industry basically go, yeah, we know it's bad, we're getting on with it, and and the MPs have said all this stuff, and people don't want the krill to be full of plastic. You still don't think it's going to happen? Well, I think this podcast, if you go back and listen to previous episodes, demonstrates that my powers of prediction are not all that they might be. Uh, so don't really take this with any degree of seriousness, but. Uh, the the problem with this is that the Environmental Audit Committee quite often put out reports saying, do this thing, which people like you and me would go, yeah, that's a really good report. That's a really good idea. Mm. They, w- the government should do that thing. And most of the time, the government go, thanks very much. Um, screw you. Or or even, uh, what? The Environmental who? Environmental Sorry? what committee? What, what audit no, committee? Is that, who's on that then? Oh, no, I never heard of them. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Mrs. May's government and, and her predecessor's government, and they're, they're not a bunch of hippies. They're, I just don't see any, any particular movement. And Greenpeace themselves say, you know, the big, the big challenge is to get Mrs. May to actually do this and, of course, to make sure that there aren't any crazy exemptions because you can see a world in which a ban is announced with bells and whistles and a lot of hoo-ha and it's a ban on microbeads, apart from microbeads in face scrub and toothpaste yeah, and yeah. Dave's magic hair replenishment gel and anything else. It's a bit like, see episode something or other, where we talked about... 25. Thank you very much. Where we talked about the plastic bag ban and Arabella did a sterling job of reading out the monumental list of exemptions to that ban. So that's, that's another thing that makes me think, uh, maybe not. Product. Unwrapped food for animal or human consumption. But why? I, d- I mean, you look. You are probably right, and I, I will endorse your prediction. And if this government does ban microbeads in cosmetic products, I will go from here to Crystal Palace Park, which is just around the corner, wearing a QPR shirt and nothing on my bottom half, and I will eat grass until I'm sick. Oh, that's <laughs> that's quite a big claim because. <laughs> You know, while I was being all negative about the prospects of it, I mean, it's it's not the biggest leap in the world, is it? <laughs> See, there we are. I knew that would drag you out of your shell. It's not that out of the question at all, right? Because the government, oh, I don't think it's very likely, but this is not one of those things. This is not like asking them to close down the fossil fuel industry or to, like, make everyone's hair gel £69 more expensive or to, you know, make the trains run on time. It's not something that they actually, you know, would really struggle to do. This is just about going, there is some stuff which is not, in, it's not essential. There are clearly alternatives to it. Everyone knows it's bad. 300,000 people have signed a Greenpeace petition. Uh, you've got three years. Sort it out. Otherwise, we're going to ban you, which is what they've actually done. Okay, it was, the, it was before Mrs. May, but they'd done it with that sugar tax on fizzy drinks, where they basically said to all the companies, your drinks are making kids fat. You've got a couple of years to sort it out, or we're going to start taxing you, basically. And lo and behold, all the companies have gone, oh, yeah, turns out we can make our fizzy, galumphing, whiz-popping stuff without so much horrible sugar in it, right? So there, there is possible to do that kind of thing because i think when the case is so just like open and shut so mind-bendingly obvious when the, the, the civilization will not collapse as a result of doing it another example right animal testing for cosmetics so that's a thing that the government years ago banned because like who in the hell thinks it's a good idea to go around syringing stuff into bunny's eyeballs just so you can look pretty right so this feels like that to me 
earlier on, I ate six jam tarts, right? I went to the shop, I bought a packet of jam tarts, and inside it was six jam tarts, and they were all lined up. You had the yellow one on the left, and then the red one in the middle, and the dark one on the right. And there was a layer Which of them on the favorite? top, uh, the yellow one. And then there was a... Really? Uh, yes. And there was three of them on the top and a little row of cardboard and then three of them underneath and the whole thing was wrapped in plastic and then that was in a box and that was in my shop and I went and paid my money and I bought it. And I was opened up the box of jam tarts when I got home and I thought, how did this happen? How did those get in there? How's this kind of come to pass that I can go to a shop and I can buy jam tarts and there's six of them all li- lined up like that and then I could go tomorrow it and buy some like more. Sounds you're having one of your moments, Dave. <laughs> a little bit, because Did I was you, listening this week You know to... there's a number to call when this happens <laughs> and then there's people who will come round. Well, don't you, but don't you ever catch yourself looking at the ferocious complexity of this world that we've made where, like, you know, if all of the stuff we buy has been made by other bits of stuff someone else has bought and it's all been packaged by a machine machine and it's all standardized and it's all got in it loads of stuff all perfectly combined and there's like a million people's that time has been involved in getting that packet of jam tarts and i'm sitting there wolfing it down like as if i can't stop eating jam tarts which i couldn't right eight six yum yum but um I, it's the same with oil i was listening to this brilliant podcast and other podcasts are available all about oil this week over at planet money and they've been talking about plastic and they've been saying how plastic is oil and oil is in everything and like you just start getting to thinking about just like everything is really 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 complicated so the question is is there oh my god there's a question (laughs) so the question is is it possible like you originally i think got all shirty and upset and you said these people buying cosmetics with microbeads in it want to be taken outside and have a fridge dropped on their head right for the benefit of humanity is that that why i said because they're because they're idiots verbatim is it that's verbatim and Mm. and because they're idiots right and i don't think people should really be expected to understand that the nice fluffy shower gel they just bought is destroying krill and i think they should really be forced to do that you shouldn't be able to kill krill right so whose fault is it who are the bad guys that's the question are people ignorant or is it companies or is it the government hurry up and answer my question oh you've got a nerve (laughs) hurry up (laughs) hurry up and answer your question which started last thursday Ah, uh, I mean, no, I, I sadly, I basically agree with you. Oh, I, it is well, a, that's all we've got time for on this week's sustainable. <laughs> sure, I hate you. Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. Um, this is the section where we have a look at the brighter side of Enviro life. And my word, it's a bright side this week, Dave. What's gone on? Wombat. Wombat. <laughs> Wombat has gone on. Wombat. Wombats are fighting back. Yeah, this is bonkers. So this is a story from our friends over in Australia. Now, Australia is a country on the other side of the world where they have a thing called a wombat. And a wombat is like a big, fat, angry dog. Yes? Well, sort of. I think it's not very far off the ground. It's quite squat, isn't it? Right. But, yeah, that sort of thing. It's a marsupial. Oh, right. Not a, not a mammal, then. It's marsupial. So it carries its offspring around nice. in a pouch. Yes. It's a short-legged, muscular, quadrupedal marsupial, native to Australia. Huh. 
Very good. They're very cute. They are cute. Well, they are cute until they go start raving mental, right? And apparently what's <laughs> happened is this woman, Kerry Evans, who is from Canberra, which is a place I've been to and is the most boring place in the world, was walking her Springer Spaniels. Isn't that like technically the capital? But Yes, it was actually the capital. It's yeah. a sort of Microsoft Excel of Australia. It's like this is where the really important stuff happens, but no one wants to hang out there. Yes, you're right. Um, and it's an uh, extremely, extremely odd, very boring place. And this woman called Kerry Evans was walking with her Springer Spaniels in a suburban street in Canberra when this wombat appeared. And the wombat's like, who the hell are you? I'm going to have you. <laughs> Come here. And the wombat ran at the dogs and then knocked her over, basically. Um, and then was like attacking this woman, this Kerry Evans. Was like going for it within reach of the wombat's claws. I was laying screaming for help, she said. Every time I managed to get up, it attacked me and bit me and knocked me to the ground. Oh. Well, that Mental very nice. wombat. Why is this a reason to be cheerful, Dave? Well, you put it in here, you tell me. Well, it's a reason to be cheerful because the wombats are fighting back. Yes. We just, I mean, it's not very nice for Kerry Evans. Uh, it, we, I would go further than that, and it sounds really quite unpleasant. But there were just a number of stories this week which were all about wildlife going, well, look, if you're just going to keep knocking everything up for us and encroaching on our habitat, we're going to fight you back. And, yeah. you know, yeah. well done, the wombat. I'm not sure I really mean that or believe it. And if you're Kerry Evans or a relative of Kerry Evans, I definitely don't believe it. No, I believe it. Sod off, right? <laughs> so think about this. So you're, the, the, I'm, I'm reading this in, this in these Australian newspapers, and you get this with sharks. You get this with sharks all the time, right? So uh, someone is in the sea, in a place where sharks live, swimming around where they've got no business being, and they get eaten by a shark, and then people go, Whoa, outrage, we're going to go kill that shark. Just, just don't go where the sharks are, right? Similarly, if you're in Australia, which has got wombats in it, and you cover where the wombats live with stupid streets and Springer Spaniels, which are not, incidentally, Australian dogs, and you walk down the street and you see a wombat, and the wombat's all like, I don't know where to get food from, because instead of all of, like, wombat food, there's all this grass. Not surprised the wombat's pissed off. Wombat's probably hungry or all hot because of all the climate change we're causing, which is destroying all the animals. Or the wombat just wanted a bit of Kerry Evans. Maybe the wombat just didn't like Kerry Evans. Perfectly allowed for a wombat just to decide it doesn't like Kerry Evans. Since when wombats got to do what we tell them to? Well, quite right, Dave. Um, I- I've got a question for you. Yes. What do you think um, a wombat's favourite technique is? Uh, if if they're uh, if they're sort of under under attack, I don't know. Ol, why don't you tell me? Oh, well, I will. Uh, it is apparently to flee to a nearby burrow, and then use their sizable rump to crush the pursuing predator's head against the dirt roof. Oh, would that be Erin's burrow? Oh, that's good, Dave. That's genuinely quite good. Um. Kerry Evans is not the only person that's got oh, no. themselves caught up with a wombat. Um, no, 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 indeed. Now, no. you alerted me to this. There's various links in this article, one of which takes you off to the Sydney Morning Herald, which is a newspaper in that there, Australia. Now, this, uh, this article sounds, on the face of it, very similar. It's not a new article. This is from a few years nope. ago. Uh, and it talks about a wombat mauling somebody who had survived what sounds like a very terrifying um, bushfire, uh, which is all very scary. However, this this man, uh, Mr. Bruce Kringle, Bruce, I love that he's called Bruce. Of course I like he that is. he's called Kringle. That's quite uh, nice. I wish I was called Dave Kringle. 
he um I'm not sure his story completely adds up <laughs> because when he was found he was lying on the, he was lying on the wombat mm, lying on it wasn't it um, uh-huh. having having and his excuse was uh, he'd gone to the toilet in the middle of the night he'd gone to attend to a call of nature call of which nature. I presume means his willy was out yeah so I presume he was discovered lying on a wombat with his, his willy, willy out, out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a perfectly, perfectly reasonable explanation to that. And I'm sure it went along the lines of, no, no, no officer. No, no. And you're, you're never going to believe this. Uh, I, I, I had a call of nature and I didn't want to get any wee on my trousers. So I took my trousers off. And then this wombat just started attacking me. And the, uh, the only way I could stop it attacking me was to lie down on it with my trousers off. Um, I love I love Australians. I love how frank they are about things. They, the Guardian, going back to this original story, the Guardian interviewed uh, Martin Lind from the Canberra Wildlife Service, who's basically said, um, "Yeah, uh, I wish I had a video of him." He sounded like this. He said, "Yeah, uh, wombats are deceptively fast little bulldozers, right?" <laughs> and then he said, uh, "When they start to mature and they hit puberty, they hate everybody and everything. They go from running between your legs, being cute as a." button to being absolute little shits <laughs> really yeah amazing he goes i won't look after wombats because you kiss goodbye to your flooring and everything they just destroy <laughs> everything everything wombats destroy everything we salute you wombats we salute any bit of nature which is fighting back but particularly those bits which are fighting back with such class <laughs> So that is just about it for Sustainable 59. We're going to get to retire at 60, do you think? I doubt it. Just like in real life, we should be babbling on into our 70s and beyond. Thank you all for your sterling babbling. Thank you very, very much. You babbled well good, didn't you? Thank you, listener, for listening. Thank you to Arabella, old seven-year-old niece, for so gamely reading out the babble, and to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast. If you would like to get in touch and tell us that wombats are evil, then sod off. If you yeah. want to get in touch and tell us anything else, then please do tweet us at The Babble Wagon or search for us on Facebook or drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish. Before we go, we would very much like to p- plug our next episode, which we have already recorded. Ooh, scheduling. Planning. Scheduling. This we, is like a real grown-up podcast. It's amazing. I know. I know. We're getting, getting there. We have already recorded an interview with the wonderful Amy Liptrot, who, if you don't know already, is the author of a book called The Outrun, which is very, very splendid and has just won a big swanky uh, award, the Wainwright Prize. We had a chat to Amy and it is lovely and informative and beautiful and uh, good listening. So look forward to that next week. Thank you very much. Oh, well, I shall speak to you very soon, old bean. In the meantime, if you see a wombat in your garden, what are you going to do? Lie down on it. Repeatedly. Bye. Bye. Remember you're a wombat. Remember you're a wombat. Remember you're a wombat.